The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. of the Ascended Masters have been called the path above the path. The Ascended Masters themselves are the saints and sages of East and West, and their teachings incorporate the original core beliefs of all the world's major religions. No matter which religious path you follow, you will find these teachings equally compelling. This is The Open Door. Come along with us as we explore the teachings of the Ascended Masters. Here are the hosts for The Open Door, Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. Well, hello to all of you out there. If you're new, welcome. And if you've been with us before, welcome back. You're listening to The Open Door, the internet voice of the Summit Lighthouse, where we publish and practice the teachings of the Ascended Masters. I'm Tom Schumacher. And I'm Ross Brunson. Today's focus, the story of your soul. You know, Ross, when we began this program, we set out to lay a foundation based on these four basic questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? And how do I get there? Yes, Tom, and today we're going to examine the story of your soul, particularly because this story, your soul's journey, is all about understanding who you are, why you're here, and where you're going. And you know, the soul has been likened to a pearl cast into the sea of the material universe. And the goal of our life is to go after that pearl and recover our true identity. Yep, and we've all spent a lot of time creating and refining our outer consciousness. <laughs> I'll say. You know, now we've got to leave that human creation behind, all of our outer awareness of mind, memory, and emotions, and search within for the inner awareness of the soul. Right, and it's time to spend some quality time with our souls. <laughs> Indeed. This is the process of self-mastery, and at the end of this journey, hopefully, we will reunite with our God-self through the ritual of the Ascension. You know, I hope there's no hopefully. <laughs> I, I want it to be a foregone conclusion. <laughs> you know, and realizing our full potential in God is a truly glorious transformation, as you can imagine. Time and again, the Ascended Masters have given us clues and keys for achieving this high and very noble purpose. These friends in high places have gone before us to show the way. And as we've said numerous times before, these ascended masters want us to succeed. Right. Where's that map? <laughs> and that's why they've, they've given us so many practical tools, the violet flame, an understanding of the power of the spoken word. And these are there to help us find our way home. You know, home is where we're going, home to the heart of God. And along the way, we will discover and rediscover the true dimensions of our soul, which is our true identity. And the Ascended Masters offer us a deeper understanding of the soul. And you know, Tom, the Masters not only shed light on what the soul is, but also help us to understand the roles of free will, karma, reincarnation, and navigating that change called death in the soul's long journey back to the heart of God. You know, you just brought up a couple of topics that we want everybody to know we're going to be developing in greater detail in coming weeks. Free will, karma, reincarnation, violet flame. So while we bring these up and we kind of make um, some, of a, some sort of a tag on these subjects, it isn't like we're passing them over. So I just want everybody to know we're going to get there. But I wanted to say, too, that, you know, a moment ago, 
uh, we said that the soul has been likened to a pearl cast into the sea of the material universe. Well, one of the most beautiful descriptions of our soul that I've ever read and about our soul's journey can be found in a wonderful little book by Elizabeth Clare Prophet entitled The Story of Your Soul. I think we have that available, don't we, Ross? We do. If you go to tsl.org forward slash 7276, that takes you right to the product page. Excellent. Well, we wanted to share a bit of that book with you now, so here is our very own Mary Andrew reading an excerpt from this remarkable little book. The Story of Your Soul Imagine you are a prince. One day your parents, the king and queen, send you on a mission to a distant land. You must find a pearl guarded by a hungry dragon. You take off your royal robe and leave the kingdom of your parents. You journey to this distant land, putting on dirty clothing and disguising yourself as one of her people. Somehow the people of this land discover that you are a foreigner. They give you food that makes you forget your royal birth and makes you believe that you are one of them. You sink into a deep sleep. Your parents see your plight and send you a letter that tells you to awaken. It reminds you of your quest to recover the pearl. You remember who you are, a child of kings. You quickly subdue the dragon, retrieve the pearl, and depart, leaving the dirty clothing behind. When you return to your native land, you see your royal robe, which reminds you of the splendor you lived in before. The garment speaks to you, telling you that it belongs to the one who is stronger than all human beings. You put on your royal robe once more and return to your father's palace. Within this story about the quest for a pearl lies the elusive answer to the perennial questions, Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Based on a divinely inspired Gnostic poem called The Hymn of the Pearl, this story is an allegory for the profound mystery of your soul's journey from her first abode down to earth and back again. It is the story of the soul who descends from the spiritual realms into earthly planes of illusion and loses the memory of her origin. She faces the trials and tribulations of the lower life until she responds to the call from home, the call that leads to her ascent and culminates in union with her God. I believe this to be the story of your soul journeying out from the highest point of consciousness to these planes here below, and then returning with the pearl. The pearl represents your soul's knowledge of her true identity. Retrieving the pearl and bringing it home symbolizes her integration with her true identity, her higher self. Each soul is part of a larger scheme. The Creator chooses the precise moment in history for each soul to come to earth to take part in the divine outplaying of the decades and the centuries. This timetable of the conception and birth of every child is part of God's grand design of life, a design so exact that at the moment of conception the genes in each tiny embryo are already suited to the specific soul who will inhabit it. Consider how wondrously you were made, how God cared for you personally, how your own father-mother God ordained your conception, your parents, your life, your purpose, and your reason for being. But God was not only thinking of you before you were born. He was already thinking of whose great-great-grandmother and great-great-grandfather you might be. The plan of the mind of God, that great cosmic computer, is so vast that none of us can even begin to comprehend it. So, if you have ever felt like an unwanted child, you can let your soul be healed of that burden. For your father-mother God loved you in the beginning, 
has loved you through your life's trials and will continue to love you all the way home. As each of us makes this journey, we have a mission to fulfill and a unique identity to manifest. God did not create us out of a cosmic cookie cutter and stamp us out to be exactly like Him. Rather, each one of us has been endowed with a distinct blueprint, which is shared only with our other half, our twin flame. This blueprint is a seed idea from God that urges us to pursue our journey, that pushes us onward and upward, that pushes us to strive. When we are not striving and not working toward lesser and greater goals that lead us to our final destination, our soul is unhappy. That unhappiness may show up as sickness, boredom, or self-deception. It can take the form of moodiness or little irritations and problems with family members or others, things that we don't associate with our soul's dissatisfaction. Yet our soul is impressing upon our outer awareness. You are stifling me. You are not fulfilling the purpose for which I was born. And I will not leave you in comfort. I will make you without comfort until you return to follow the inner plan of life. Our divine plan is waiting for our free will confirmation. If we believe in predestination, we may think we don't have to do anything. It's all going to happen anyway. But in reality, because of the gift of free will, we can choose to implement our divine plan or not. I can remember when all I knew about my divine plan was that I had to do something for God in this life, that I had a mission and I had to find out what it was. And since I didn't know what it was, my mission became finding it out. So each day during my childhood and my schooling, I would try to study and pursue those subjects which, if mastered, would lead me closer to the knowledge of my life's mission. Do you know your mission, your divine plan? One clue is that your mission is often your passion, so you can ask yourself what you are passionate about. Another clue is that your mission usually involves perfecting the talents that God has placed within your soul. Above and beyond all else, the purpose of life, the answer to why am I here, is to find God in yourself, in your talents, in your calling, and in your service to life. It is to endow everything you do with God's Spirit. Endowing everything with God's Spirit is making His Spirit permanent in you. This is the journey of integration back to the kingdom of your father-mother God. Clearly, Tom, we always have access to a higher reality of ourselves, of our divine identity, and of our place in cosmos. We do. Yeah, and for this wonderful journey without any distance, there's definitely a map. Oh, I know that for a fact. Yeah, and speaking of maps <laughs> <laughs> and guidelines, yeah. now for the record, we have been made aware that some of you want to know why we occasionally include things like emergency preparedness guidelines, tips for family wholeness, everyday kindness vignettes, and the like in our program. You know, and we're happy to tell you why. Um, basically, as we explore different spiritual subjects every week, one of the things we want to do for sure is to make certain that it's clear to everyone how practical, applicable, and adaptable the teachings of the Ascended Masters are to our everyday lives. It's just amazing. The, masters, uh, the Ascended Masters have always stressed the need to be prepared. For example, in an uncertain world, stuff happens. Yeah. And even though we know the Masters are always present with us, there's plenty that we have to do here on Earth and be prepared for on our own. You know, the, the, the Masters repeatedly stress how practical their teachings are. They want us to know without doubt that these teachings are meant to be applied in our outer lives, in our everyday lives, and not only as the focus of our meditation and inner spiritual work. That's right. It's almost as if through our work we actually express our spirituality. Indeed. 
You know, the masters also stress the obvious importance of the family as the central building block of community, culture, and country. You know, and again, these are simple and accessible teachings that can be applied in all of our lives. Mm -hmm. Another reason why one of our short buffet segments highlights every simple everyday kindness is that it's a good thing to do. <laughs> it's always good to be kind. You know, thoughtful gestures, a smile, a simple touch, they have such power. And everything, big and small, matters. And although uh, we don't necessarily know it, we all make a huge difference in other people's lives, and we have to be cognizant of that. You know, I remember somebody telling me once that you may never know who you affect with a smile, with a touch, with a, a kind word, but the ripple effect of your kindness goes out into the universe like radio waves out into the, you know, the ether. And it's amazing that one person's smile can change another person's life, perhaps from a very negative component to a very positive focus. You know, and I've seen that in my own everyday life. I used to travel a great deal, hundreds of thousands of miles a year, and it was amazing how practicing kindness with the people that I met on a day-to-day -day basis made me so much happier. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, I, I had a kid once I was uh, um, coaching softball for 10-year-olds, mm -hmm. and uh, I gave him a bit of advice about just letting everything be part of the game. You know, and was just kind to him because he struck out mm -hmm. every single time he got to bat. He just, that's how he always did. But I said, don't worry about it. The outs are part of the game. Eight years later, I'm at the graduation of my youngest child, who happens to be a classmate of this young man, and I get a tap on the shoulder. I turn around. Here's this six foot six guy. I mean, he was just amazing. Who said, "Thanks, coach. I never forgot that moment, and I never forgot that day." He said, "I was ready to quit." Yeah. You know, and he didn't. It just it changed his life. Small thing though, though it was. It still was significant. Big result. Big result. You know, so the Ascended Masters admonish us to be mindful of how important and powerful each of us is. And that we present to you in this format simple everyday tips and guidelines that do just that. Mm -hmm. Which brings us back to our roadmap concept for finding our way back home to the heart of God. So when we come back, Elizabeth Clare Prophet will provide more details about our spiritual roadmap, our divine blueprint. So don't go away. Awakened Media for a Transforming World, 7th Wave Network. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? And how do I get there? These are some of the basic questions we all ask ourselves on the spiritual path, and the answers we find certainly vary. Who are you? You are a child of God, and as a child of God, you carry within you the seed of actually becoming God. This seed is your Christ self, the same in you that is in Jesus Christ. Why are you here? To master yourself in order to graduate from Earth's schoolroom and reunite with the heart of God. Essentially, you are following in the footsteps of Jesus and other great saints and sages who have gone before. Where are you going? Home. Call it Nirvana, the hereafter, the heaven world, whatever you want. It's the next stop on your journey. And finally, how do you get there? Let us show you how. Visit us at www.tsl.org. We are the Summit Lighthouse. We practice and publish the teachings of the Ascended Masters, and we've got answers to all of your questions. Visit tsl.org today. The Summit Lighthouse. Master yourself. Become God. 
Zoom Leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up close and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Zoom Leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Zoom Leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. Be Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. Welcome back, everyone. In our last segment, we spoke of the soul's journey and the magnificent reality we can all share by expanding our inner awareness of the soul and acknowledging the reality of the divine selfhood. Yeah, you know, Ross, this is our spiritual DNA, mm-hmm. our basic programming. And the program that defines and unfolds our reason for being. Um, a blueprint of this process is indispensable for truly understanding the big picture. Now, here, uh, once again, is our, is our want every week. Elizabeth Clare Prophet uh, delivers in an interview entitled, Your Blueprint, Your Divine Blueprint, a lot of great details, so you want to pay attention. Mm-hmm. And our interviewer is Doug Kenyon. Excellent. Last time we spoke about the law of the inner self. What is the inner self? The inner self has been revealed to those who have sought that self in many forms. And the forms which the self has taken have determined the course of the world's major religions. Gautama discovered that self to be the Buddha. Jesus discovered that self to be the Christ. But Moses began with the inner realization that for me is the cause behind the effect, the real source. When God appeared to Moses out of the bush that burned but was not consumed, and Moses, receiving his commission to go and speak to the people of Israel and to rescue the children from Egyptian bondage, asked the voice that spoke to him, Whom shall I say sent me unto you? And the voice of God spoke and gave the identification that has been, for time immemorial, the source of light to his people. God said, Tell them that I am hath sent you unto them. And he gave his name as I am that I am. This was the declaration of being. And upon that declaration of being was the mission of Moses. It was power, it was energy, it was consciousness, it was self-awareness. And the Lord said, and this shall be my name forevermore. This name of God is not simply a name, but it is a word that comes out of that word by which all things were made. It is an energy, and when we say that name, I am that I am, we are confirming that the same God who spoke to Moses stands where we stand. 
I think that that is the very beginning of the science of the splitting of the atom, the releasing of the energy of molecules, of the very nucleus of life, and it is also the beginning of the opening of the inner self of man and woman. I think everybody says, I am, many, many times a day, so are you saying that they're actually naming, naming God when they say, I am? The verb to be is the first statement of being, and as God is first cause, he is being. Some schools of metaphysics and uh, teachings such as unity, teaching affirmations, have taught that what we affirm in a positive way, like Norman Vincent Peale, we bring into our lives, and what we affirm negatively, we also bring into our lives. And so, there are those who have evolved statements beginning with, I am, I am well, I am happy, I am whole, and they have cautioned us not to say that I am sick, or I am tired, or I am unhealthy. So this thought has been glimpsed, and it does work, and what we find is that it works not only because of the power of positive thinking, it works because the very name itself releases the energy of God. What is the element of ego involved in this? I think to many people it appears that when one says, I am, one is asserting one's ego. Well, it is the divine ego of us all who declares within us, I am. Then we can choose to be that I am. We can choose to be one with that divine ego, or we can rebel against it and say, well, I'm going to be what I want to be, and uh, we can affirm a separate identity from that inner I am, and we can affirm it so long that we eventually lose contact with the inner divine ego, and we live the life of the human ego. You mentioned Eastern religions and the teachings of Buddha, and you mentioned Moses and Jesus. Where is the teaching of the I am found in Eastern religions? In the East, I am that I am is pronounced as the OM, which is spelled O-M or A-U-M. And it is the other side of the I am that I am. And this is the difference between East and West. In the East, the object of religion and of devotion to God is to go within, to go into samadhi, to go into nirvana, and the going within to the source of energy is reflected in the way of life. And the outer conditions, for instance, in India, the major nation of religion in the East, are poverty, but the people have a very rich inner life. In the West, we find that the goal of our contact with God is to go within and get the flame and draw it forth for the mastery of the matter plane. And so we find that mastery being expressed in our environment. So the mantra that is used in the East to find God, the going within, is the Om. Once we go within, then it becomes the object of the people of the West to draw forth that energy, and therefore God gave to us the name Om as I am that I am because it draws forth energy. That is the use of the word, and when the word is repeated as a mantra, I am that I am, I am that I am. It has the effect of drawing forth energy to meet every challenge of our life. Can one use it in a broader sense? Is there more that one can do with it other than simply affirming that I am? I seem to recall that Jesus used the 
term in many different uh, many different statements, and I'm curious exactly what we may conclude from that. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. He actually gave many affirmations which have been recorded in Scripture and many more which were not recorded to his disciples. He taught them what we call the science of the spoken word, and that science begins with God, and it ends with God, and it places man in the middle as the one who is the instrument for God becoming God. We keep referring to the word, and the I am is obviously a reference to the word here, and I know there are many references in the scripture to the word being in the beginning with God, and I'm anxious to hear more about exactly what the Word is and uh, what is the relationship between God and His Word. What can we learn from that? Well, beloved John says that in the beginning was the Word, and without the Word was not anything made that was made. We find that the Word was made flesh, and that is the incarnation of Jesus Christ. So the Word figures as the second person of the Trinity, the Christ, the Son of God. And its function is creation, the bringing forth out of the Father and out of His law that which is manifest for us to behold. Uh, the lack of understanding of the Word before it is made flesh is that darkness and uh, the light that was not comprehended. So with the coming of the Son of God, we discover the meaning of the Word as the Christ consciousness, as the very mind of God, of which Paul said, let that mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. This means that we can all become the incarnation of the Word. We can all attain to the level of Christ consciousness. In fact, it is our sole destiny to do so and not only to be aware of the self as God, but to be aware of the self as Father, as Son, and as Holy Spirit, or as the Hindus would phrase it, as Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva. Well, I suppose it's good to say that everybody can become like Christ, but how many have succeeded? Isn't Jesus the only one? And perhaps maybe one or two others? Well, I think that people have an idolatrous sense of Jesus. They worship their own concept of what Jesus was. He is depicted as the perfect master, and he was indeed the perfect master. But he is depicted in people's minds as someone robot-like, perfected in the flesh, so far above everyone else, that no matter how well we do in our daily lives, people think that they can never come close to approximating the life of Jesus Christ. And yet the saints have told us that we must imitate Christ. The imitation of Christ, Thomas Akempis, is a very important Christian work because it tells us that we must try to imitate his life. And Jesus told us, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Now many think that it is blasphemy to try to become like Christ, that there was only one Son of God and that no one else can be like Him because we are all sinners. It is this concept of original sin carried on and on generation after generation that makes people not even try to master the basic principles of life which Jesus taught. 
I believe this to be error and to be antichrist. And I believe that it deprives Christians, Jews, Muslims, and the whole world of the very essence of the life which Jesus lived. And that essence is, in Jesus' statement, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. This statement is the promise of the Lord Christ himself that we should try to work with him and work with the Father and to be an imitator of his work. If Jesus is giving us this assignment, then he must know that God has placed within us the resources to fulfill it. Well, what are these resources? The basic resource of life is the spark of cosmic consciousness, which is the flame in the heart, the threefold flame of love, wisdom, and power, which is our focal point of the Trinity. And so I believe that Christianity, as well as Judaism and Islam, have been stripped of the very meat of the word because of this making Jesus, Mohammed, Moses, and the great prophets an exception to the rule rather than the rule of living for us all. Now I believe it is the hour for the coming of our understanding of God as mother, a mother who takes her children by the hand and teaches them the wisdom and the law of the Father a mother of consolation who explains the role of the Holy Spirit as the great comforter and the great forgiver in life. Our understanding, then, is not of original sin, but of original bliss, as we are born of the Father, Mother, God, of Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. As we see our souls coming forth, then, from the Father, Mother, God, we realize that it is not the sin of Adam and Eve, but it is the original blueprint of our Maker which endows us with the ability to become joint heirs with Christ, with Moses, with Mohammed, and with Gautama Buddha. Thank you very much. You've certainly opened up a number of subjects which will be the subject of further programs on Inner Perspectives. Up next, our weekly visit and questions and answers with Sidney Bennett. Don't go away. community for positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? And how do I get there? These are some of the basic questions we all ask ourselves on the spiritual path, and the answers we find certainly vary. Who are you? You are a child of God, and as a child of God, you carry within you the seed of actually becoming God. This seed is your Christ self, the same in you that is in Jesus Christ. Why are you here? To master yourself in order to graduate from Earth's schoolroom and reunite with the heart of God. Essentially, you are following in the footsteps of Jesus and other great saints and sages who have gone before. Where are you going? Home. Call it nirvana, the hereafter, the heaven world, whatever you want. It's the next stop on your journey. And finally, how do you get there? Let us show you how. Visit us at www.tsl.org. We are the Summit Lighthouse. We practice and publish the teachings of the Ascended Masters, and we've got answers to all of your questions. Visit tsl.org today. The Summit Lighthouse. Master yourself. Become God. 
Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about the show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. We're back, and joining us once again is Sid Bennett to answer your questions. Hello, Sid. Hi. So, Sid, in the beginning was the word. We've all heard that statement, and we just heard Mrs. Prophet describe the word as the Christ, the Son of God. Are we also talking about the word as the creative part or the creative mind of God? Absolutely. Uh, Mrs. Prophet spoke about the word, the Christ being the word, and that how his creation is done in the beginning and so forth. And I think this is emblematic of the vastness of God. And I think many of us, or some of us, may have a concept of God as this paternalistic father that has gray hair and sits in heaven and periodically <laughs> sends a lightning bolt our way. But the reality <laughs> is, God is much greater than that. And God just doesn't do things by waving his hand. There's a process, there's a way, there's an energy. And I think if we even had the smallest sense of the way God runs this universe, we would be in the greatest awe. And certainly we have that through the use of the word and the understanding of the word, but that's just the beginning. You know, we've talked about the power that each of us possesses to create the I am statements. Are we really as powerful as God? Well, that's a good question, uh, Tom. And I think part of it is the fact that a misunderstanding of who we are in God and what the potential is to be in God. In other words, if you say the I am, you're saying God in me is this or that. And so that in itself gives a power to your word. And as we discussed, I think a week or two ago, the light coming down from your mighty I am presence will charge those words or those actions, um, and whether it be for good or for evil. But obviously right now, we don't have the full power of God. But can we, can we gain that power? Well, I would say yes and no. As we use power that we have in the worldly sense appropriately, as we give ourselves to God, as we demonstrate to God that our motives are unselfish, that they are giving and loving, and not for our own personal gain, then then our Father God will entrust us with more power. And it's incremental, so to speak, and at, at the point where we have proven ourselves many times over and we make our ascension, then we have access to the full power of God. And that's an amazing thing. You know, Sid, I, I know you know a lot about the financial world, too. It's really interesting. It's almost like the power of attracting investors. You handle this, and we give you more. You handle this, we give you more. Absolutely. When we talk about the inner self, though, even though the names we give it are different, Christ, Buddha, or whatever, we're really talking about the same thing, aren't we? Well, we are, and I think 
we get a little greater perspective on this path that God has sponsored many different religions on the earth with a different aspect of the teachings and a different knowledge that we needed. And at the core, they really are very similar and very same. You know, there's, there can be different ways to go up the mountain and the Buddhic way or the Christ way, but ultimately there is that unity and absolute oneness of all religions. And I think if you talk to people, they realize that. What is difficult is many of the traditional religions have gotten a little off base from what the original teachings were, so people can't necessarily see that integration, but it's absolutely there. You know, I was um, struck by um, Mrs. Prophet's words, especially when she's talking about our birthright, um, the birthright that we all have to, to be the Christ, to be the Buddha. And I'm wondering if, you know, if that in fact is the truth. I mean, that's something that we would state categorically, that we have the potential, each of us, to become the Christ or to become the Buddha, correct? That's absolutely true. It's, it's an amazing concept and one that has been kept from the people for a very long time, that they have the potential to follow Jesus. It doesn't make us equal with Jesus, but we have the potential to walk in his footsteps to gain that oneness with God that he gained. And that's also true with the Buddhic path. And you know, Gautama Buddha and Jesus, they're all one. They support each other. They have different paths and different ways up the mountain. But absolutely, there is a unity. And when was the last time someone told you, you have the potential to become one with God? That's an amazing <laughs> statement. We're not worthless sinners. We may have sinned, but we have God within us and the potential to be there. And to me, that makes life the most exciting opportunity we have. And to have this knowledge in this day and hour is a gift of God, because when you have knowledge, you can use it. You know, uh, that brought, brought up something else, too, that whole concept of original sin being countered by the concept of original bliss. Uh, would you like to talk a bit more about that? Absolutely. Um, there are many people in the traditional Christian churches that walk around with this sense of weight and condemnation upon them, that somehow the fall of Eve puts a, a condemnation on every person since then, and we're really worthless and not, not much good for anything, but here God in his pity for us came along and brought Jesus to save us if we accept him. Hmm. Well, I mean, that just doesn't make sense. If God made us in his own image, then we have the potential to be like God. It's as simple hmm. as that. It's time we threw off this concept of original sin and and take on the concept that we have the opportunity to be all God wants us to be. We can walk in dignity, we can walk in humility, but it's also an opportunity to say, I am that I am. God is in me, and I have a place to go, and I'm going to do my part to get there. Oh. You know, Sid, that's very powerful. And, and also, we have the concept of the violet flame, and especially forgiveness. We've all done stuff in our lives, uh, you know, sometimes repeatedly, that you sit in those quiet hours and you think, you know, how, how could God ever forgive me for doing something like that? You, you know, um, for some reason, our, our minds tend to bring up our mistakes far more than our successes. <laughs> the burnt toast at the we'll, feast. <laughs> we'll have to talk to him about that, won't we? <laughs> but I think the, the important thing to remember is that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, there is opportunity today. You can start and turn around if you've been walking away from God, then this is the day you can turn and walk towards Him. It's going to be a long path, there'll be tests, there'll be trials, there'll be karma, but we have the violet flame to help us balance that karma, and we walk it for the bliss and the joy of walking it, because every step will take us closer to God. And you know, I think there's something else. Each one of us wants to be accountable for our actions, mm -hmm. and if we just say we're saved and they disappear, well, it, that doesn't feel mm -hmm. right. We want to walk the path, take advantage of God's gifts, of His mercy, His forgiveness, but also to right the wrongs to our best of our ability and to walk even as Jesus walked. And we don't get a get-out-of-jail-free card. <laughs> it's like no, it, every jot and tittle will be balanced. <laughs> yeah, but God right. has given us the tools, and again, especially the violet flame, that we can do a whole lot um, in a short time. 
for all you golfers out there that's like our spiritual mulligan. You get to do it again. <laughs> get forgiveness and do it again. You know, is, isn't this really basically about becoming God or becoming one with God? You mentioned that, that, that we were made in His image. Well, it, it is. And, you know, that, that sounds like blasphemy. In fact, we have a book we published by Mrs. Prophet called Becoming God. And when you think about that, I mean, who has the audacity to make that statement? Well, of course, you can't become God unless you have God within you. And, and the book relates to the path of Christian mysticism, where you do put on God, and you, you put on the Christhood and increments and, and, and become God. Now, I want to make one thing clear here. I used to wonder about this. It says, well, do you lose your identity? Am I suddenly not who I am anymore? <laughs> and the answer to that is no. You are who you are. And the permanent aspects of your being, those qualities that God is imbued with, become permanent. But you are who you are, but you're one with God. And what a winning combination that can be. Oh, my goodness. Isn't it amazing when you suddenly realize after you've overcome some piece of you that you thought was part of the original makeup of you and you realized there was something you'd learned over the years? That's an amazing, I hope everybody experiences that. It's an amazing moment. Yeah, it's like that, that aha moment. This, the, yes, um, you know, I, Sydney, you and I were talking um, before the show about how the I am concept is really common to all major religions and that no one has ever really been left out of this equation. It's only been that some of them have forgotten it or perhaps they have um, changed how that whole concept is defined for their congregations over time. Um, I would just like you to talk about that for a moment, the, the commonality of the I am concept in the spiritual movements of both East and West. I think there absolutely is that commonality, and it's the God within. In the Buddhist tradition, they say, Om Tat Sat Om, which is not exactly exactly like I am that I am, but it is a manifestation mm -hmm. of the light within you that you draw down and raise up. And I think what makes it so interesting about the I am that I am is we can understand that so easily. It's a statement of being. We all say I am, as I said, so many hundreds and perhaps thousands of times a day. And so when we think of that as qualifying God's energy and as making a statement of the God power within us, it's really easy to relate to here in the West. I, I grew up in a Christian tradition. I was never very good at meditation. But there's something there that we can use that's very practical and very real, but it's also manifest in all the major religions of the world. You know, I can really identify with that. Uh, having a hard time with meditation, I remember my mother saying to me tongue-in-cheek one time, Honey, if you're having a hard time with it, you need to meditate about that. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> Now, we mentioned the Becoming God book a few moments ago. Um, people always ask us where to get these things. You can do the same thing that you did for the other book and go to tsl.org forward slash 7155, and that'll take you right straight to the description for that great book. Um, well, thanks for that. So um, I, I wanted to kind of stay on this topic for a moment because it's really sort of one that in a busy culture, particularly in the West, meditation is not something that we learn how to do growing up. In our um, religious experiences, and certainly my own, the closest I ever came to this was when I entered the seminary to study to be a priest. And I was so unfamiliar with this concept of being quiet that it took me a long time to adapt my energy, my whole energetic pattern, to this kind of quietude. Now, we didn't call it meditation. In fact, I don't believe I ever heard that word uttered in the context of the Catholic Church. Um, but nonetheless, being quiet was something that really required a lot of focus. So, if you don't mind, Sid, because I know that for the Ascended Masters, uh, their teachings, the entire process, meditation is a key part. Um, being quiet is a key part of this whole, um, the unfolding of this path. Can you expand on that just a little bit? 
and and in that and let us know about that still small voice of god yeah absolutely and i think meditation is a part of the spiritual path and meditation also can be a very selfish thing if you're only meditating for your own gain or for your own growth and there's nothing wrong with that at certain times, uh, it can become selfish. And so meditation has its place just as the use of the science of the spoken word as prayers and everything else we do. But what the Western people and cultures can learn from the East is taking that time each day to be still and to be quiet. For me, it's very early in the morning, and that's my time with God, where I meditate, I reflect, I affirm. And when I was just uh, very new to the spiritual path, someone taught me uh, or reminded me of the quote from the Bible, be still and know that I am God. How powerful that is. And that was the key for me in my beginning of meditation. And try that in a very quiet, still moment when you have no distractions and listen and feel the presence of God. Wow. You know, that was that, that little bit of advice was, was never um, given to me quite as simply as you just did it. <laughs> but I, I totally understand. And from my own perspective, I think being still is something you can do in a moment. It doesn't require a special place necessarily. You don't have to sit down in a, in a room that's devoid of noise. You can literally be still at any time you choose, particularly when the world is noisy around you. That as a counter to that, you can simply be still for a, for a breath. You know, when I was in the service uh, in Germany, it took me it took a lot of time for me to find a little bit of time to myself. <laughs> and so I used to go out into the Black Forest and just sit by myself with nobody knew where I was or anything. And it was the most peaceful experience. I only got about three minutes of it at a time. But I, I definitely understand what you're saying. Mm. Get that get that moment and experience it. Well, the inner calm. You know, well, I, I think, think uh, absolutely that's true in the sense that our Western culture, we're bombarded continually with radio, TV, advertising, talking. Make sure you find some time for God and sit in the stillness of God and experience the bliss and the joy of His presence because He wants you to feel that. You know, sometimes we refer to that as the signal-to-noise ratio, you know, where you're looking at a world full of noise and you want to make the signal stronger. So how do mm -hmm. you do that? Practice. That's right. Well, you know, that's really all the time we have for the moment. But I'd like to ask Sid to stay over for the final segment. that okay with you? Absolutely. Oh, good. Okay. Yes. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? And how do I get there? These are some of the basic questions we all ask ourselves on the spiritual path, and the answers we find certainly vary. Who are you? You are a child of God, and as a child of God, you carry within you the seed of actually becoming God. This seed is your Christ self, the same in you that is in Jesus Christ. Why are you here? To master yourself in order to graduate from earth schoolroom and reunite with the heart of God. Essentially, you are following in the footsteps of Jesus and other great saints and sages who have gone before. Where are you going? Home. Call it nirvana, the hereafter, the heaven world, whatever you want. It's the next stop on your journey. And finally, how do you get there? Let us show you how. Visit us at www.tsl.org. We are the Summit Lighthouse. We practice and publish the teachings of the Ascended Masters, and we've got answers to all of your questions. Visit tsl.org today. The Summit Lighthouse. Master yourself. Become God. 
making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. And we're back with Sid Bennett to continue our discussion about the soul, the divine blueprint, and all other pertinent topics. Yes, a bucket of topics. And by the way, um, of course, it won't be a surprise to anyone, Sid Bennett is with us every week. And you don't want to know why? Because <laughs> I think Sid's been with us for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, um, you have been a student of the Ascended Master teachings for a very long time. That's uh, right, uh, Tom. You know, it's, uh, I'll, I'll admit it's been about 40 years now since I first encountered the teachings of the Ascended Masters. But you know, my search goes back beyond that. When I was a teenager, I was a very devout Christian. My family went to a fairly fundamentalist Christian church, and I felt very close to Jesus. But, you know, I knew there was more. It was too simplistic. It, was, it was, just wasn't enough. It didn't explain things enough. So I started the pursuit of my path and the study of reincarnation, which made all the sense in the world to me, and trying to understand where we're going, what we're doing, and what the purpose was here. And, you know, the search is a very important part of the spiritual path. But I've encountered people in my life that where the search becomes the path. In other words, they want to search, but they really don't want to find what they're looking for because that's the hour of accountability. And of course, if you are a seeker, make sure you know when you get what you want because that's the time to really embrace it. <laughs> Dear friend of mine, um, family member, uh, extended family member, and I were having a discussion about the different beliefs, and she said that she liked a lot of the things that, that I personally believed, but the one she didn't like was the one where she didn't go straight to heaven. We finally <laughs> got down to that, to that point in the discussion, and I said, well, why don't you like that? And she said, because I don't want to come back. Uh -huh. I said, okay, well, you know, we're real close here. <laughs> we just wanted to make it really obvious that Sid definitely knows these teachings. Uh, which is why he's here. Absolutely, that's why he's here. So, um, Sydney, here's a question. Um, this has come up a number of times. Why is the soul feminine? Well, I think the understanding of the soul is key to understanding who we are. Our soul is the non-permanent part of our being. And, of course, people talk about the spirit and the presence of God within us. The presence of God within us is eternal and, and will last forever. But our soul is temporal right now. And until we become one with our God presence, then we are not eternal and we do not have eternal life. And that's what the path is all about. Fortunately, God has given us a lot of time, a lot of embodiments, and a lot of opportunity. But for many of us, this is the time when we want to embrace that. So we can think of the soul as the feminine aspect of being and the spirit as being the masculine. You know, the traditional Christian church of the Catholic has a concept of the bride of Christ. Mm -hmm. And that, in essence, is what the soul is. And whether you're male or female in embodiment, you are looking to merge with your Christ self to become eternal. And that's how the soul gains everlasting life. So um, the soul and the spirit are in a kind of yin-yang relationship? 
Absolutely. And of course, Jesus was one with his Holy Christ self and one with his I am presence. So Jesus' soul, even though he hadn't taken his ascension in his last earthy embodiment, he was really already one with God and essentially uh, an unascended ascended master, if you will. <laughs> you know, I, I, my daughter recently went through First Holy Communion, and I, I totally understand the concept of the bride of Christ and of, the, of your soul being the bride of, of God and of Christ. It was such a transcendent experience for me. Um, you know, what about the role of the human ego? Does it have any place on the spiritual path? And Tom mentioned this earlier, you know, do we, do we lose portions of ourselves? Should we have no ego? Well, you have to have some ego because you must have consciousness, you must have the will to power and to act. So think of it this way, you are slowly putting on your Christhood, and maybe we think of it as being too slowly, you could do it faster, but you're separating that from yourself, which is not real, those parts of you that you know aren't from God, whether it's anger, irritation, non-forgiveness, any of these parts of you. And we're slowly putting on the Christhood in place of that. But in the interim, we have to function this world, we have to do things. And so even as you're putting aside the human ego, you're putting on the divine ego. So think of it as part of you, of getting rid of those parts of you that you know can never inherit the kingdom of God and embracing those parts of the Christhood. And so it's a process that you go through. It doesn't happen all at once. And so you don't throw out the baby with the bathwater because if you have worldly attainment and things you can bring to the altar of God, we don't lose those. That's an opportunity to give. So yes, we want to put away the human ego and put on the divine, but it's a process. You know, I, I really understand that. that speaks to me because I know that we're able to take our talents, the ones that we've learned, and to turn those so that we can make a difference for God. Absolutely. It becomes your sacred labor. Mm -hmm. You know, another thing you kind of bring up, and this is a paraphrase of your earlier comment, we are not here to perfect the human. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think we've all pondered that quote from Jesus, be ye perfect. Well, how in the world can we be perfect? It's impossible in the physical plane. What you do is you put on the perfection of God that is already there in terms of your Christhood. And yes, we need to work and strive to do better at the physical level for everything we do, but that is how we put on our Christhood day by day, because clearly the human will never be perfect. You know, um, I, I wanted to bring up another question here, and this is not to impugn any other um, spiritual organization, but I've read, and in fact I've been reading this for some time now, that many traditional religious organizations are suffering from decreased participation and declining membership. And, you know, there also seems to be a proportionate rise in spiritual seekers who are looking for what they call, what we call, religion without walls. Um, any thoughts on this phenomenon? Well, I think it's very apparent if you look at the world, and certainly in America and the West. America is perhaps attending their traditional churches less, but it become much more spiritual. People, I mean, the, the words you hear, karma and reincarnation, are becoming very commonplace in our vernacular. People understand that. The concept of the soul. I mean, uh, there's a great outpouring of these spiritual literature. And I think the challenge that we have is to differentiate between what is the teaching that can really help us and what perhaps is more of the human consciousness of the person putting it forward. And so as you pursue a spiritual path, it's always very important that you ask God to show you the direction you want to go and make sure that the still small voice is speaking to you and not the voices of the world. You know, that we've also heard about the spiritual but not religious movements. Uh, you know, I, I think that's very interesting that we see the declining membership in the traditional, but it's kind of like people are rising out of it and saying, I, I, I don't quite have any, all the answers that I want and I'm seeking more. You know, uh, about the soul, is the soul the same as your spirit? Well, no, as I think I mentioned to you, the spirit of God within you is your God presence that we all have. The soul, again, is the non-permanent atom of being. And so the goal is to raise up the soul and to become one with your Holy Christ self. Your soul is like your inner child. 
It has needs, it has wants, and it has consciousness. And so if you're really uncomfortable, it can be your soul that's uncomfortable. And so we must honor the soul, we must love the soul, we must nurture the soul, work with the soul, even as we work with God and our God presence. It's, 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 the, it's, it's the incredible journey of the ages. The truth of our path and the opportunity we have is far greater than is portrayed in the traditional religions. And people have a concept that there is more. There's much more out there. And it's available now that God has given us this teaching, this opportunity, if we will take advantage of it. Thank you, Sid. You know, one last question, and I guess this is kind of like the lightning round. What happens to the soul after death? <laughs> 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we should have a whole show on that. I think we should, too. <laughs> but uh, I love the Edgar Casey quote, you know, a dead Baptist is a dead Baptist. And, and in essence, you are who you are when you die. You leave the physical body, but you only have the light that you have garnered to your soul, and that determines where you end up. And again, let's spend some more time on that. We'll come back to that for sure. Yeah, it's, def it's definitely about what you do to get there. We have a quick announcement here. You're invited to sign up for our free digital newsletter, TSL Now. This is delivered to thousands of inboxes every other week and includes great articles on the spiritual path, timely news about upcoming conferences and local events, webinars, classes, the new product releases from the Summit Lighthouse, and all the connections to our YouTube channel, our podcast, and all of our social media locations. And there's a lot more there. To sign up, all you have to do is go to www.tsl.org and click on the Sign Up Today button, the blue one on the top right. And while you're at it, sign up to receive our weekly online pearls of wisdom. In order to find out what those are, go click on that button. The newsletter and the online pearls of wisdom are both free. Sign up today. Thank you, Ross. Um, well, amazingly, another hour has come and gone. It's been great to be with you once again, and please join us next week when we explore in more detail higher consciousness, and how to access the power of our higher selves. In the meantime, remember that though the upward path may be difficult, the rewards are literally out of this world. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us this week for The Open Door. This program is broadcast live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. For more information about The Open Door and the Summit Lighthouse, please visit our website at www.tsl.org. We'll see you again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.